let me set this up a little bit first. My favourite game has been on for 7 years and we've discussed this series in much detail. It has been mentioned so much as an honourable mention before, but it has never, ever been an actual focal point of an episode of the show. That is until now, because I finally get the answer to the question I've been dying to ask for seven years nearly. Kelsey Hansen, what is your favourite game? My favourite game is Mass Effect 2. Yes! <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to go slightly, slightly. <laughs> I just had to go slightly happy there. <laughs> brother uh and a younger sister we're all four years apart um i grew up in europe so i most of my life i spent in the netherlands and germany and in the netherlands specifically is when i remember watching my brother play video games um there was a lot of original nintendo we'd go over to our friend's house who had a nintendo we'd go over to basically everyone we knew had consoles but we didn't have any consoles yet so whenever my family would go over, you know, to their friend's house, the kids would play in the basement or whatever, and there'd always be some kind of game going on. Um, finally, when my dad bought my older brother a Nintendo 64, all bets were off. That's all he'd do. He'd play every game you can think of. My brother is really, really, really good at games. He can just understand them very quickly and beat them really quickly. Um, and pr- he'd probably platinum like all the games on the first try just easily. But I would watch him play so much. Like I remember watching him play through Zelda Ocarina of Time before I started playing it. Um, And even before then, we'd play The Lion King and Aladdin on Nintendo. Uh, But so I'd watch him play and play and play all these amazing games. And finally, when he left to go to college, because he went to college in the United States while we still lived in Germany, I started playing Nintendo 64, which is the most exciting thing. And I remember playing, um, oh my gosh, I always forget the name of this video game. Hold on. There's one particular game that I will always remember playing. Uh, Let's see, what, what is it called? I feel so bad that I can never remember the name of this. Oh, Jet Force Gemini. Ah. I played Jet Force Gemini a lot, and it never worked 
for some reason, I remember. I don't know if it was because our system, we had like a Dutch Nintendo 64 and you had to have some kind of thing to go on the top of it to be able to play certain games. It was very complicated. I have no idea what it was. Um, but I started playing that and then I got into Zelda like everyone else. Um, and I kind of always played games since then. I loved games. I loved the storytelling. I loved playing hours of games. And that was kind of just like my downtime and what I had most fun doing. Um, and ever since then, I've just kind of owned a console. I've owned a at Xbox once. It was my brother's old Xbox. And I remember playing, I think, Resident Evil 4 on it, I think. I don't remember. It was when you could do a split screen co-op with your friends. So I would play it with my roommate all the time. Was it four? I don't know. I don't think it was four anyway. I what was because, it? Like I remember. I remember like Resident Evil Four was not on the original Xbox. If I remember right. Split screen. Um, Maybe it was a. Hold on. Let's see. Maybe. My, no, I don't. I know must if it know. Veronica. Maybe six. Two. Co-op I don't know. <laughs> I just remember playing a Resident Evil split screen on an Xbox, and it was a blast. And that was the only time I owned an Xbox, because I would also watch my brother play Halo. Um, mm. But ever since then, I've had been a PlayStation owner. I love PlayStation. I'm trying to get a PS5 so hard. Uh, but yeah, that's how I kind of got into the love of games. Um, but it wasn't until 2017 that it actually became my job. I wanted to sort of rewind back a little bit because, like, obviously you mentioned sort of how you were playing games, um, you know, with people like in uh, the SNES and NES. Like, what do you can you remember what games were you playing then? Uh, on Nintendo, it was oh, it, honestly, it was a lot of Lion King, uh, Donkey Kong, um, Aladdin. Our friends in Albany, New York, where we lived for a while, our friends there had the Nintendo, so the, and they were big Disney fans, so we'd pretty much only play those games when you were over there, because we didn't have a console. I don't know why, but we always, our friends always had a console, and that's what I would basically watch people play, because my older brother would get annoyed at his younger sisters trying to play, so we would always watch. <laughs> um, but that's, like, what I really remember um, doing. And then... On the PlayStation, I remember playing a lot of, oh, that fighting game. Not Mortal Kombat. Tekken? We played a lot of Tekken. And then what's the other one? There's another one. Lots of Tekken. I remember Tekken. Um, Street Fighter. I haven't thought about this in so long. This is so wonderful. (laughs) Virtua Fighter, maybe? No. Damn, I'm probably gonna think of it randomly later and be like, "Yes, that's." I, I, I don't think I don't think it was Street Fighter anyway, or was it Street Fighter? Because no. like, this was pre Street Fighter Four, at least. Dead or Alive. That was that's a lot more Xbox anyway. Dead or Alive Three and Dead or Alive Four, but Dead or Alive Two was on PS2. Yeah, we played it on. I thought it was. Oh, maybe it was the PlayStation Two. See, all these consoles just blur into one because I've owned a PlayStation for so long. That, like, I just remember all these games I played just through the history of PlayStation. So I feel I have a soft spot for PlayStation just because I've that's kind of what I grew up on mostly. My brother is a diehard Xbox fan. Um, honestly, mm. I want both. I want an Xbox and I want a PS4 or a PS5. But we'll see when I can get my hands on them. Oh, it's 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 a it's basically a sport right now at this point. Yes. Uh, trying to get trying to get a PlayStation Five and an Xbox Series X. Series S is a lot is a lot more well not a lot more but it's a bit more freely available Series S. But Series X and PS Five, good luck. I know. I want to get a Series S actually, and I want to get the PS Five. I would love to have both to be able to play all the games I can. But um, mm. well, I guess we'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait until a lot more are available, and then I'll get my hands on them. 
basically like calendar games trying to get one of the new consoles at this point i know i tried the other day i think it was like a week ago or something when walmart was restocking and i was on the website and i was waiting and waiting until it struck like 3 p.m and i literally refreshed and it was all sold out i was like okay well <laughs> i'm gonna walk I away don't, <laughs> i don't get how that happens but i know it's bots really but like <laughs> like but yeah that's oh. that's that's mad to me that's 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 nuts that's nuts like i will not give yeah. up relentless be relentless <laughs> in your pursuit yeah like i was from my phone yeah exactly <laughs> you finally got it just for context for those listening um before we started recording i was just trying to get an iphone 12 pro earlier today um and i never got one and then literally about half an hour before me and kelsey started recording i finally found one on amazon <laughs> And I just went, thank fucking God. I didn't know they were so hard to get, honestly. I didn't Neither realize did I, that. to be fair. Yeah, I did not know that. So, I mean, okay, hold on. So I remember the story that I have still holds of how I got in really into games. Hmm. But I guess, no, because that was even in Germany. That's crazy. My memories, I feel like, with games, I thought I started when I was super, super, super young. Like, hmm when I was like five or six but I also remember playing like Mist and Prince of Persia and Road Rash on my dad's um I think it was a Mac like an old old Mac Mm. but that was in Germany so I was 10 I guess when I started playing all the games because then my brother Mm. was home I had the the computer um but I guess that was when we, we finally owned a console so, yeah. Fair enough. Thank you to my brother. Shout out to Taylor. You did it. <laughs> we'll put his name in at the end at the end of the season for the credits. <laughs> Special thanks. Um. <laughs> so I studied film at Michigan State University. It's what I wanted to go into for as long as I can remember. I loved games, but I loved playing them. I also was obsessed with watching movies and TV shows and. I loved learning about the trivia about movies and TVs, and it was kind of like my thing. I just, I knew a lot about it. I had a passion for it. Um, And I knew probably since I was like 10 that I wanted to work in film. It was my dream. So when I was going into college, it was super easy for me to know what I wanted to major in because I know like it's very tough to know when you're 18 what you want to study for the rest of your life. But I was like, no, this is what I want to do. So I went to school for film. Um, I got a bachelor's in media arts and communications. And then I had the specialization in fiction film production. And I immediately moved out to Los Angeles after graduating. And I worked in film for a while. um, And finally, I basically had a brief stint after the company I originally worked for went under. Um, I was a producer's assistant for a long time. So I worked on Oblivion and Hercules with The Rock, those two movies. Um, And then the company went under and I kind of was like floating around trying to figure out what the heck I was supposed to do. I worked for a VR startup for a brief stint that my friend started and I was like, no, I have to get back into film. I feel like I'm missing out. So I started working at a management company. Um, And for those of you who aren't familiar with Hollywood um, and film, working at an agency or management company is kind of like your golden ticket into getting other jobs in the industry if you don't want to be, or actually even if you want to work in production. Um, So I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to management and 
you know, get to know the ins and outs of the industry that I wasn't able to get in my previous job. And I worked um, there for about a year and a half on one of the partner's desks. So he represented like 60 actors, writers, and directors. And they, we had these lunches, basically. Uh, I promise this gets me in the games. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, go on, go on, please. But basically, we had this, the managers always had these like weekly lunches where they'd all talk about um, clients that they had that weren't necessarily huge names, but they wanted to tell them like, hey, I represent this person. If you find a role that would be good for them, just have them in mind, et cetera. So my boss was like, I can't go to the, this lunch. Can you go to this lunch? And just, I know you're interested in this client because she, um, I won't say names, but she has worked in games and she's done voice acting. And I was like, yeah, I would love to. So I went to the lunch and I talked about this client and I was so excited about it. And I guess my excitement came off uh, because one of the other managers after the lunch came up to me and he was like, do you want to work in games? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I would love to work in games. I, I was I was 27. Uh, and I was kind of like just now figuring out, like, I don't want to work in movies. I want to work in games. Um, and he was like, well, I'm going to introduce you to someone. He's at UTA. Um, you should have lunch with him because he knows a lot of video game people. And I was like, I would love that. And so I had lunch with this person. And he was like, you know that Annapurna is starting a video games division. And I was like, I saw that in Variety. <laughs> I remember reading about it. But I didn't really hear much of it. Um after that and so he was like well they're looking for someone right now like a kind of assistant coordinator role um do you want to meet with them and i was like 100 percent. that'd be amazing because in my mind i was like this is perfect because annapurna i already knew of them obviously for their amazing films but i was like great this will i'll be able to have my toe in both industries which is the dream come true um and i met with them and i think there were seven people at the time so it was we're still very small but they were so wonderful and I was so excited and it took me a while to actually start the job. Um, I was kind of transitioning off the desk that I was working at and had to train someone new incoming. And that's it. I, that's how I started working for Annapurna Interactive. And I've been there. I started working there the day after Edith Finch was published. So um, I've been there since basically their first game uh, release and it's I, I love it so much. I consider myself very, very lucky every day, honestly. And I think it was really good timing that it all kind of fell into place that way. Because I, I, I was a little overwhelmed with trying to figure out how I would get into games because I'm not an engineer. Hmm. And I thought, you know, everyone in games has to be an engineer. In my mind, I was like, you have to know how to code, which of course is helpful. But I, I was like, I'm never going to get into games like this. Um, but here I am, and I'm so happy and. It's a it was a weird path to get there, but I'm here and yeah, I'm <laughs> excited. <laughs> it's lovely to hear you gossip about how you joined Annapurna. Really, it really, it honestly is because you know, like you obviously know this uh, from Twitter and you know in the few interactions we've had. But you know, I have massive, massive, and I do mean massive love for Annapurna and everything Annapurna does because like. They are like you guys are the best publisher in the industry right now, bar none, for me that's, anyway. It's very kind of you. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be saying it though if it's true. It's you're genuinely the like amazing and like I get I get very excited whenever I see a brand new game or I see a brand new trailer from anything you put out. Like especially um um the new Fallbreak game last week uh, at the Game Awards. I can't. 
I've, my brain's gone blank now. I can't remember the name of it, but like, open yeah, roads. open roads. That's mm-hmm. it. Thank you very much. I, I like. I remember just saying, "Ooh, Fulbright, <gasps> Annapurna! Oh my <laughs> God, Fulbright and Annapurna on a brand new game! Sold, 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 sold." That's very nice oh. of you. You've always been a really like positive supporter, and I really appreciate it. No, it's not about me. I just like gushing about Annapurna. That's all. Let us finally talk of your favourite game. After seven years, we can finally talk of Mass Effect, specifically Mass Effect 2, as someone's favourite game. Yes. And if the sort of excited intro does not give any indication, Mass Effect is a series that means so much to me as well. And specifically, Mass Effect 2 is in my own top 10 games of all time. For sure, and uh, now that this is actually coming out um, later in the season, I can actually say now, with Journey earlier in the season, and now Mass Effect, not only do we have two of my top ten favorite games uh, of all time for this season alone, we now have four of my favorite games uh, represented on the show, so that's awesome. I just want to point that out just for self-interest, if nothing else, but Mass Effect 2, you know, I immensely love to bits. I love the Shepard trilogy to bits. Uh, somewhat slightly off as Mass Effect pre engines is, but mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, you get the good with the bad, basically. But <laughs> anyway, before we get into Mass Effect 2, I, w- I sort of want to sort of get your perspective on Mass Effect 1. Like, was that did you play uh, Mass Effect 2 before or after? Or sorry, Mass Effect 1 before or after Mass Effect 2? So I actually played it after Mass Effect 2. Uh, ah. Mass Effect 2 is the one that got me into the series, and then I played Mass Effect 1. Then I replayed Mass Effect 2, and then 3, and then Andromeda. Um, but generally, uh, Mass Effect 2 just stuck out with me. Not only it's because the game that got me into the series, but also there was a lot of exposition in Mass Effect 1. Um, and Mass Effect 2 just had much more like complex relationship stories, and I just found it much more interesting than Mass Effect 1. Mass Effect 1 was great. By no means am I saying it was a bad game or un- interesting. Mm. Like it's it, Either way, it's one of the best sci-fi games, RPGs uh, out mm. there. Um, but Mass Effect 2, I, just, I found the story just much more intriguing and it had much more depth to it than the first one. Mm. Out of curiosity from um, your time playing um, Mass Effect 1, 
Who did you sacrifice on Vermeer? Ashley or Kate? Uh, Ashley. <laughs> they, they all say Ashley. They all say Ashley. Oh, Ash. Is, is, it, is, it, is it because she's slightly racist? I mean, you would think. I think I just... I it Honestly, it might have just been like a mistake that I accidentally sacrificed her. I don't know. But I did actually have to go back and like look at the story again for Mass Effect 1 because the Mass Effects kind of end up blurring into storyline, mm. you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, Ashley. <laughs> like, I was like, I remember her. <laughs> yeah, I just, I was just like, ah, I didn't like, I didn't care about her as much as the others. So I was like, you can, you can go. It's fine. Just to put it on the record, I sacrificed Caden. Oh, really? And I, and I very much regret it. <laughs> Damn. And by the way, and I, I say that. The reason I regret it is not, and this is not a bad thing to say, it's not because of her somewhat casual racism. <laughs> it, the regret I have for not sacrificing Ashley is that minutes earlier, she shot Rex! No! <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, listen. She shot my Rex, Kelsey! She shot my Rex and <laughs> I still sacrificed Caden. Damn it, Ashley! <laughs> that's okay at some point you're gonna replay it and everything will be okay whenever we get that remastered mass effect it'll be like doing a first playthrough all over again i won't make that same mistake twice no and you're gonna be so pissed if you accidentally do it at the end you're gonna be like no (laughs) go back and replay it again Uh, uh, that's gonna be a fun time fun time (laughs) (laughs) um so as we dive into mass effect then like the game opens up you're just basically coming off the back of what happens uh, after the events of mass effect Mm one uh blood um the uh, the reapers there's obviously something coming up in the distance but meantime you've got something like the collectors and all that there Mm -hmm. game opens up with the normandy and stuff like that there and then bam it all kicks off your some of your crewmates are dying, have died. You try to get off, and then boom, Shepard dies. <laughs> Shepard dies right off the bat. Wait, but we forgot one of the most memorable scenes. For oh, me, did we? For me, actually, the the part of the game that I was like, "This is a special game," was when the Normandy gets hit and destroyed, and you're Shepard, and you're walking around, and there's that one scene where you walk into the rubble of the ship and it's kind of open. You see space. So all you can hear yes. is Shepard breathing. And yes. I was always femme Shep, by the way. You could hear her breathing. And as you're walking and looking around, like that scene sticks in my mind so much. I was just like, this is something really special. And I'm not wrong. Plus, then you get Joker, Seth Green. Mm. I mean, love him. <laughs> I'm so glad you actually brought up that scene. I'd actually completely forgotten all about it. Um, like, yeah, it's it provides atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It provides a tone for what's set to come. Because um, initially, it feels like you're by yourself. Like, yes, you have the elusive man. You have Miranda. You have Cerberus and all that there. Mm-hmm. But, like... You don't have the crew 
that you know and trust. You don't have Joker, at least initially. Yeah, you're you about to have, get Joker. You don't have Garrus. You don't have Liara. You don't have any. Uh, you don't have Ashley or Hayden, depending on who you sacrifice. Basically, yes, you have people around you, but you are completely otherwise alone. I think that scene sort of sets up the mood on what to expect, at least within those first few hours of Mass Effect 2. I'm very glad you brought that up. Yeah, it's just, it's a really special scene. Mm. And, then, and then you go into Shepard, like, uh, like sort of waking up within that Cerberus facility. And, like, mm-hmm. for the, if you were playing the game for the first time, like, it's... <laughs> Like that, it's it's just basically a clean slate anyway. But like, I like the fact that even if you had played Mass Effect One, because like with Mass Effect One, like I finished it like the weekend before Mass Effect Two came out mm-hmm. uh, for the first time after many years being on and off with Mass Effect One. Whether I didn't know if I was hating it or loving it or whatnot, because <laughs> actually I didn't know what my feelings were on Mass Effect One, and and we'll touch upon that in a minute. But like, um. With Mass Effect 2, at least then, you sort of had a chance to sort of do over what you had before. At, at least, I don't I don't know if you could change gender in terms of having male Shep or femme Shep. Like, I was always femme Shep anyway. I was uh, always femme yeah, Shep. Always. I, I actually found it... Uh, I tried to play male Shep once, but Jennifer Hale as femme Shep, like, she has such an incredible talent for voice acting, and I just found her acting very believable and i i had to stop playing as male shep you can go back to femme shep because i was like mm. no nah, i just her voice is like chef's kiss like <laughs> just... like don't get like don't get me wrong mark muir's like fantastic but like he's great but for femme shep you're just like god you're such a badass she defines shepherd for me not defines yeah. femme shep she defines shepherd mm-hmm. shepherd um yeah, so I love the fact that regardless of whether you played Mass Effect 1 or Mass or, uh, or not, you had that sort of ability to sort of change your shepherd a little bit. I don't know, I can't quite remember if it was to change, if you could change gender, but like you could at least change aspects of your shepherd at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, that, that felt like a very massive opening. It set the bar for what was to come throughout the course of the game. It felt massive. It felt impactful. Yeah. It already felt like there was a massive choice that you had to make. Because I think right at the beginning, too, who, I think Liara or someone comes up to you, and she's like, Joker's still out there, and you have to make a quick decision of whether or not to tell them to stay and help or if they have to go. Or um, It's been a while, so I think that was in that scene. And already it's just kind of quick actions. And it was really fast and hectic. And then you get this moment of quick solitude where you're looking out into space and you're like, you are very small in comparison to where you are right now. And that was just, yeah, it totally sets up the rest of the game and just how important each each decision is that you make because someone will live or die based on who you choose. And that's why Mass Effect 2 is so special to me because I really, really, really cared about these characters. Um, Mm. But we'll get into that later because I want to know who who your waifu or husbando is. Uh, um, <laughs> I know mine, so... So, so <laughs> I didn't really have a, a waifu or husbando <laughs> uh, in, in Mass Effect. No? Let's, uh, let, let's, let's, let's say my shepherd like play the fields, basically. Oh, I got you, I got you, <laughs> yeah. I got you. 
Yeah. I mean, I definitely played the game multiple times to see, like, same with Dragon Age Inquisition. I love replaying these games and just, you know, seeing the romance story and how different each one is because of that person's either race, background, whatever. It was always interesting to learn about each one. But Garrus, like, ugh. Love Garrus. And honestly, I love Jack. I thought Jack was very interesting. Mm. I'll say this much, though. I think for Mass Effect 1, I didn't really sort of care in terms of romance stuff. Although, in my mind, I felt like my shepherd was bisexual. Mm-hmm. But for Mass Effect 2, I know like who I had in mind with immediately. Who? Yeoman Chambers. Oh! <laughs> whoa. Okay. <laughs> I love Chambers. She's amazing. I'm sad we did not get her in Mass Effect 3. She's one of my favorite characters in the entire Mass Effect trilogy. And I'm sad that we never... Well, you do see her in Mass Effect 3, but you don't get her as a crewmate on the, on the Normandy. Mm-hmm. I think I think she goes to live in the slums in the Citadel, if I remember correctly. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I don't think I've ever met anyone who says that character. Um, I like that, though. That's another reason why I like Mass Effect, was, like, you kind of wanted to test romance with every single character, just because, hmm. like, you were like, what happened? What will happen here? And then you do it, and then the other person gets mad at you, you're like, damn it, I just wanted to see what it would be like. Like, I don't want to lose that other person, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, and depending on who you choose... I think you could even die. Like, for example, I think if you choose Morden, maybe. Morden was so funny. I love that character. I think if you choose Morden, you die. Like, if you actually sleep with Morden, you die. I'm not sure. I want to see this. Like, Mass Effect 2, romance options. Uh, Yeah, I I don't remember. I remember Jacob never liked me. I could never get Jacob to like me. I don't know... I guess I must have been choosing the wrong answers, but also mm. I was a renegade most of the time. I always like in any of these role playing games, like I really like to first do the character that is totally not me. That is so not me. Just renegade from start to finish, just like, you know, just being the worst person ever and seeing what would happen. And then I would go play it again and do Paragon. Cause like, mm. you know, renegade is more fun. <laughs> just because like same in Red Dead, like being an outlaw and being evil is is fun. <laughs> mm. I don't think it's actually Morden, by the way. I think it might be Thane. I think it might be Thane. Oh, I later. love Thane. I Theris, Thane, and Jack were my guys. Because Thane is the the big eyes, right? The fish looking guy. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Thane. I'm I'm just reading up. Uh, here we go. Uh, da, 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 da. When Morden is the shepherd's attraction to Thane, Shepherd can ask him for advice regarding Drell. Morden will advise her that human Drell romances are complex. There is a chance of a rash with some itching, and that oral contact may include hallucinations. A rash. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, like any other STI. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be careful up there. You know. Um. But yeah, I love Chambers. I love Chambers. She's brilliant. I, she's amazing. And yeah. uh, I'm just look, I'm looking up. I'm looking up all the other characters you can romance now. Um, you can romance um, Morneth, I think. Um, and Morneth is um, one of the Asari. Um, and I think I might be wrong here, but there's an Asari, There's a character in Mass Effect Two, 
who is actually voiced by the mother of Billie Eilish. What? This is true. One of the voice actors in Mass Effect, her, her uh, their daughter is Billie Eilish. I had no idea. Who is it? Which I'm character? going to look this up now because, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, the Eilishes, they just get better and better. Maggie Baird. Maggie Baird. Yeah, here we go. Oh, she's Samara. Oh my gosh, no way. She was Samara, so she it wasn't a sorry anyway. What? Yeah. Ah, there we go. So there we go. If you if you uh, had romance Samara, you would have basically been romancing Billy Eilish's mama. That sounds very weird, especially for me saying it in that Irish way. But like you would have been basically romancing Billy Eilish just more. <laughs> wow, I had no idea. I also just now realized who the voice of Miranda was because like when I was when I was playing it, I I don't think I saw this person in a lot of stuff at the time. But now with Handmaid's Tale out. Mm. you're just like yeah. I, I didn't realize it until I knew I was doing this podcast and I was like I should really refresh my memory on Mass Effect because it's been a long time um, but I was like oh my god I totally didn't even think of this person she was great as Miranda mm. and like I I only know her from like uh, before Mass Effect I only knew her from Chuck yeah she was that. in Chuck It's her name's Yvonne what's her name Yvonne Yvonne Strafsky yeah she was great as Miranda I only know her mainly from The Handmaid's Tale, um, which she's she's a fantastic actress. But, yeah, the voice acting in that game was so, so good. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting as well, like, there's a big, massive ensemble cast for Mass Effect 2. Like, you have Yvonne Strofsky. You also have, like, the likes of um, uh, Martin Sheen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who else as well? I'm trying to remember, like, the name, the exact Seth name. Seth Green. Seth Green, yes, absolutely. Um, the other one I was thinking of, uh, Carrie Ann Moss as well. Yeah, yeah. Carrie Ann Moss, and like, yeah, there's there's so much of an ensemble cast in that game. It's unreal. And then you also got the likes of you know other people as well, like Ali Woods and Jennifer Hale, Mark Meir, etc., and DC Douglas. Like, it's such a good cast as well. Mm-hmm. So so good. Um. So, yeah, um, that was massively dig. Well, I mean, like, no, it wasn't digressing because, like, we were sort of talking about the yeah, um, party members uh, or characters in the game. Like, yeah, yeah. what were your, uh, well, like, well, who were your sort of um, go-to party members when you were out on a mission? Like, for me, I don't know, like, at least one of them, at least one of them was Garrus. Yes, mine too. Garrus was a constant, and I used Thane a lot. Thane and Garrus, because I, I just love both of them as characters. Thane and Garrus were two main people I chose. And then I think I didn't really use that much of Miranda or Jacob after you got past the first um, couple things. Mainly because I couldn't get Miranda and Jacob to like me. <laughs> like, I'm just, like I, I don't know. I just chose all the wrong answers all the time for them. But I tried, damn it. I tried to make them like me. It didn't happen. So then I just kind of shunned them out of my party. Um, but You don't want my friendship? Fine. I'll be petty at you too. Yeah, I'm going to choose your friends to go with me. Because um, I'm a petty motherfucker. But I like Jack. Uh, I don't remember. It was mostly Thane and Garrus. I really liked their backstories. And I really liked... There was one line um, that Joker says about Garrus that was something like, 
Because when he starts changing, like Garrus, you know, he starts to change like throughout the game. And Joker mm. says something like he he finally got the stick out of his butt only to beat people to death with it. Um, and I was like, that's such a good line for this character because not only is Garrus like he's an intense person, he's angry and he's frustrated and everything, but if you choose to romance Garrus, he's he has a soft spot and he's very sweet and he's very kind. And I really liked that aspect of his character. He's the one that felt He's the one I cared most about because I think I, I just put a lot of time and effort into that romance story. Um, but ever since then, I've just, like, I really liked him. And same with Thane. I mean, is this a theme in me? Is this a theme that I like guys who are very stoic, but they also have a soft spot? Is that what I'm saying? <laughs> so Thane and Garrus were my faves. And they both have very similar personalities, so I don't know what that says about me, but... I really liked them. Their backstories. There might be a preference there. <laughs> I think there might be, but I also like Jack. But also, Jack is also a badass, and she like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what she's to tell you. Very, she's very angry as well. She's like, very angry. Happened. They're all very angry, angry individuals mm. on the Normandy, except for Joker. That's true. Well, he That's is mad true. at Edie, but you know. <laughs> oh yeah, I forget you get Edie for the first time in Mass Effect. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think for me it was Shepard, Garrus, and Miranda. Yeah, I think mm. that was sort of my go-to uh, crew. And if I couldn't get either of them, I think then I had Jacob because, like me, like I somehow managed to toe the line where I had my original Normandy crew with me, mm-hmm. and you know got them on site. But I also had Cerberus on site as well. Yeah. Up until right at the very end, but we'll get to right to the very end uh, later on. But like, mm-hmm. I sort of until then, managed to find that sort of balancing ground as well. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, it's it's fascinating that I sort of managed to achieve that. Um. So yeah, I that was. Ooh, I mean, it was a good few years. I mean, it's been about at least six, seven years since I last played Mass Effect 2 in some form. But, like, that Same. was definitely my go-to, at least. I wanted, Just to go slightly back on Mass Effect 1, at least for me, anyway. Like, I had... I bought Mass Effect 1, I think, the day of launch. And I remember 2007 being so great for gaming because, like, I remember trying to get in as many games as I could day one of release because there were so many great games out that year. And I remember getting Mass Effect 1 day long... Uh, day, day one launch, even. Um... And, like, for the first few hours, I thought, I love this. I like this. And then it just sort of goes down. I just like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, and I kept I kept putting it on, I kept playing it on and off and on and off. And so I traded it in because I just felt like, no, I can't do this. And then about a few months later, I was in, I was in Dublin for a family thing and to see at the same time. So the family thing was a few days after I went to see Muse in Dublin. Nice. And uh, and um, me and some of my family were out and about just walking Dublin, and then we go into the to the mall into the shopping centre, and there's a GameStop there because like, um, for anyone listening, like GameStop does exist in Ireland, um, <laughs> like uh, not in the north anymore, but it still represents it's it's still there in the south, anyways, in the Republic, anyway. I go into this GameStop, and lo and behold, there's this second-hand copy of Mass Effect. And I'm thinking, and it's very cheap as well. I think it was something like 
eight euros or something. No more than ten euros at least. And I'm thinking to myself, mm, do I want to do this again? Because like I think especially around this time as well, they had either teased or announced with a teaser Mass Effect 2. I think. I think. I am not quite sure on that. No, sorry, I'm thinking of something else. That um, uh, I I did see Mass Effect Two being announced while I was in Dublin, but that was for another thing. But anyway, I digress. I saw the copy there, and I just go right. You know what? Screw it. Let's do it again. And it would be about another year and a bit before I finished it, Mass Effect One. And, and like I said, I finished it the weekend before Mass Effect Two. The point I'm trying to get at, um, as I realized, like I like Mass Effect One now, I I really do. But like I I think a lot of that love don't love sort of relationship I had with Mass Effect 1 at the time anyway was that it felt very RPG centric and I can appreciate that now and I and I and again I do like Mass Effect 1 now a lot um even if it's not data as well in terms of tech anyway I think though the reason why I love Mass Effect 2 so much to the point I would have it as my game of the year when it came out 10 years ago and you know in my top 10 list of favorite games of all time is because it very much had a more action centric focus. Do you think that it sort of had anything down to why you like it as much? I think that's probably a part of it. I was actually going to mention the, the fighting style of the game because I, um, I like the idea of planning out your attacks. Um, again, similar to dragon age where you got to, bird's eye view planted out before you did it although i didn't Hmm. really use that aspect of the game so much well on mass effect 2 i thought it was super helpful and um just in general being able to plan out of like okay jacob you're gonna go over there and hide miranda you're gonna go over there over there and hide even though as i said i never had them on my team but you do that and it was just so it made you feel like you were actually this this military leader that was leading a squad in something or like you were actually a part of this thing that was happening rather than just having your you know your characters run around haywire shooting but not really doing any damage which is most of the time um but yeah mass effect 2 definitely had more fighting aspect to it which i really enjoyed while mass effect 1 had a lot of story there was a lot of exposition which was great because we needed it for Mass Effect 2, but it was definitely felt like you were more in the game with Mass Effect 2 because you were able to fight so much. It was much more battle-centric. Mm. Um, I think on that note, like, um, I think it's a good time to sort of bring up this sort of writing of Mass Effect 1. Uh, oh, sorry, Mass Effect 2. It's all start, Like you said, it's starting to all blend Blur. together a little bit. No. <laughs> um. So, for the 10th anniversary of Mass Effect 2 earlier this year, well, um, as of this going out, it'll be, like, next, last year, I guess. But, like, for nuts. the start, time, time is but a novel construct. Oh, God. Especially, especially <laughs> during a pandemic. Uh. Um, but, like, when Play Diaries launched earlier this year, we did um, a massive piece on the 10th anniversary of Mass Effect 2 uh, involving former general manager of Bioware Edmonton, Aaron Flynn, and Mass Effect 2 lead writer, um, Drew Caparison. Uh, I don't know if I got that right. Um, and I want to read uh, a part of that piece, um, if you'll, indul- if you'll uh, excuse my slight self-indulgence here. No, um, please. One of the significant aspects that helped define the game was how expanded and fleshed out the characters were coming off Mass Effect 1. 
uh, as mechanically did it as Mass Effect 1 is now from a gameplay standpoint, what still st holds up is the connections still felt with the characters it introduced and brought over to Mass Effect 2, as well as those introduced as part of Mass Effect 2. Um, and I want to read a quote from Flynn here. Um, I'll put it in this episode. Uh, I'll put it in uh, for those listening. But um, for... I'll read it here. Um, I, from Aaron Flynn... I once heard the phrase, uh, I can't remember who said it, uh, that uh, great stories come from great characters. Um, they were just really well-realized characters. They were well-written, they were well-animated, they were well... Um, they were well uh, crafted, and and because of that, they uh, they they had story arcs. They had lots of uh, of elements to them. They were complex. They they were well realized. And thanks to all those things working, you know, you had these. You could tell great stories. I'd I'd agree with that. One hundred percent. That's like one of the reasons why this game is one of my favorite games. Because like, you really do care about these characters. You care about learning about each character, even if you don't like that character. You still mm. want to know why do I not like this character? You. I, I remember the first time I played it through, uh, Jacob died, and I was genuinely sad. Even though I didn't like him, mm. I was like, damn it, I wish I had taken care of my whole crew. I was really, really bummed out, which made me replay it again and again. Um, but yeah, that game is really special. I can't think of another game where I still think about these characters. Um, like, I'll never forget Garrus. I'll never forget Thane, um, mm. Miranda, Jacob like even ed joker like i won't forget about these people uh and yeah that's one of the reasons why i wanted to talk about this game because the character arcs and for each individual character is a game in and of itself um to me mm, like yeah like it, it provides that sort of like you say regardless of whether you liked or didn't like a character like you did with jacob you felt that connection and that mm -hmm. connection was very important. It, f it felt like there were stakes to them. It feels like there is weight to your decisions now as a result. And yeah. as a result, you feel that um, regardless of how you feel about each character in terms of you know how they treat you and how they present you, whether you like them, whether you hated them, mm -hmm. there was a... Like, meaning and purpose to them anyway yeah like you as femme shep or male shep or um you had this duty to take care of your crew and as a player you felt that uh you felt that kind of responsibility to um keep these people's lives and because even some of them had like families that they would talk about or friends that they would talk about and it was incredible to me that just knowing that writing went so in depth for each character background affected your decisions and your choices and sometimes made you feel bad with words that you choose to say as whatever character, whether you're a paragon or renegade or just a happy middle. Um, it made the player feel feelings where you're like, oh, God damn it, that was really mean of me. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> or like, and that's why this game is so special. It really like affects your, affects you when you play it. Mm. Maybe maybe it's because you're projecting onto them as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like I think for me, I think for me, um, in that regard, like 
I think that's sort of why my my femship was bisexual, um, because mm-hmm. I I wasn't I was not at the time. obviously I was playing as femship and I don't know if that sort of um felt right, but at the same time my best my femship was bisexual. And I wasn't at the time, so I felt felt like for me that element of shepherd was being projected onto her by mm-hmm. me because I couldn't really you know I still I was still sort of thinking it out in my head. So I, yeah, there's a lot of elements that it feels like you are just projecting onto them, and and as a result of that, you're projecting onto those well nuanced, well written characters. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess that's why those decisions feel very impactful, especially at the end. And we'll get to the end, like, in a minute or two. But like, um, yeah, it feels like. Yeah, as a result of your projections onto your femship, it feels like then in turn those projections from femship are projecting onto those characters, and as a result, you have a lot more sort of attachment and weight to them. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I also, I mean, now thankfully we're kind of moving towards a place where there will be more choices as to what character you can play, what gender they are, just how they are in general, which. Obviously, we were hoping what happened in Cyberpunk. Um, <clears throat> but in most games, I would play as a male because there weren't many like RPGs where you're able to play as a female. Um, <clears throat> and in my case, I chose Fem Shep. Uh, actually, first chose Male Shep because I'm just used to doing that in games. And then when I started playing as Fem Shep, I was like, wow, she's actually, I actually prefer playing as her. Um, and I, to this day, like, I think she's one of the coolest f- female characters that we've had that I can remember. Um, but yeah, I was hoping, I was hoping there'd be more choices uh, in general in games, um, because obviously everyone wants to feel represented and so that you can play a game, you can be like, that character is me, um, which by no means am I femship. Mm. I wish, but like, no. Uh, but yeah, we won't go into cyberpunk, but um at least it's a step. It's a step. Mm. Hopefully. Um, I th- uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's interesting that we at least talk of fem, um, femship or, or yeah, femship because like, like we we mentioned her in, in good detail a while ago, but like I want to bring her up just by her own subject because like you say like she's one of the most badass female characters in a game ever. I would even like define her by her gender. I think she's one of the best badass characters in a game, full stop, regardless of gender. Like for me, she's she's amazing. She is. I I think like in the very beginning of the game, <clears throat> when she's waking up off the table um, and realizing kind of where she is, and Miranda's over the speakers telling her, you know, like we rebuilt you. You have to get out. The Geth are here. Um, the way she's talking to Jacob and asking questions and stuff you realize there's such a depth to her and she's like, she's very outwardly bold. She's very um, strong in the sense that she, even though she doesn't remember being a leader is in her bones. Like this is what she does and she does it really, really well. Um, And then when you start to meet other characters, you also get to know more about her and you realize there is, she is a three dimensional character with, a background and a story that affects to why she is the leader that she is. So I completely agree that like in general, she's just a very memorable and important character in games. Um, Mm. And yeah, I always go back to her. 
you know, just the general Mass Effect, every character, I guess, in Mass Effect, you generally go back to some of the best cre- or, uh, characters in any game. It refers to um, Shepard as well as the other characters in the games. Like, you kind of just never forget about them. And that's a mm. real testament to the writers. They did a, an amazing job. Mm. And I think in, in that aspect, um, I'm going to quote an interview from what Jennifer Hale did, the Eurogamer. I noticed because I actually did that interview. Oh. Um, so this was seven years ago at this point, but um, she basically said that when she was given the script for um, Shepard, it's that Bioware didn't change a word that Shepard said, regardless of what the gender was chosen by the player. Mm-hmm. And like I remember her saying to me, like, I challenge all, and this is Colton Hale at this point, um, I won't put up the audio because I can't find the audio at this point. I'm pretty sure uh, Holly Welsh and Martin Robinson of Eurogamer might kill me if I do, but like... <laughs> I challenge all writers out there to have a look at your lead character, and unless they're specifically talking about their anatomy, that character could be a woman. Change, mm-hmm. just change the name if you have to try it. If if you uh, just change the name if you have to and try it because the time is here. Look at Command the Shepherd. You look at awesome characters like looking at Game of Thrones, Brienne of Tarth. What a great character she is. Arya Stark, Daenerys Targaryen. These characters breaking the gender barriers in the way they're behaving in their worlds, and that can happen anywhere. I challenge you writers to do it because, frankly, the audience is starving for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just makes me love her even more, to be honest. Like, I I loved her acting before, and that is really uh, great. And I totally agree, because I, I did play as Male Shep for a little bit. Um, I just didn't connect with him as much as I did Femme Shep. Um, but yeah, there's no reason why the words need to change just because of your gender or um yeah I just I honestly I think that's preferable honestly because I don't I can't even imagine how the story would change if they specifically changed it to have her dialogue sound female like what does that even sound like that's not a thing you know so I don't know that's great I'm that was a really good quote I'm so jealous you got to talk to her (laughs) <laughs> well i mean i mean i'll admit that piece means a lot to me not just for the fact that you know i got to speak to fam chef but you know because of how much Eurogamer means to me uh yeah. so getting them writing about ge- excuse me about writing about ge- uh, games so um that, that piece means a lot to me <laughs> yeah that was really uh, special um you mentioned the writing um in mass effect 2 and i sort of want to get into that a little bit like um yeah again like there's a lot of nuance and layers to the writing in Mass Effect in general, but like Mass Effect 2 especially, because it feels mm. like the writing was on point here. Like it feels like this was where Bioware, specifically, you know, the writing team of Drew Kasparian, um, Drew Kasparian I'm going to butcher that name. That's so okay. Times. I, I can't help uh, you with that. <laughs> and uh, him and. Uh, Casey Hudson and Mac Walters, like they all were sort of firing on their A game here in terms of, you know, putting, um, just writing an RPG that was so, oh, it was just uh, Drew Kasparian and uh, Mac Walters, so, so not Casey Hudson. Um, but, um, it feels like for me, there was incredible writing at times in Mass Effect 2. I mean, like, 
Yeah, like like go into that a little bit. I thought they did a you know the game is really long, um, mm. but I thought they did a really good job of keeping the dialogue short, but not too short where you're kind of rushing through important dialogue where you're like, man, I really wish they would have expanded on that because probably eventually you will be able to expand on that. Um, but I think they did a, a really good job of keeping the dialogue concise and to the point, but in a way where you were very intrigued by everything that everyone had to say. So at some point you're going to, you're going to be like, I really want to go back to, to, um, oh, I can't remember that one guy's name. He's the big guy with the really low voice. Oh, I, f- I don't know who, I don't know. I thought I had it from her, but then he comes in a mass effect free. So, so like, I'm the wrong character. He, you'd be like, I really want to go back and ask him about that one thing he said. And then you can. And you're like, mm. this is insane that my character can remember things that you had mentioned and then bring it up to that character. Or you won't be able to talk about that aspect if you didn't ask about it in the first place. So they did such a good job of kind of creating these loops of dialogue that all come together at some point. And the worst thing about playing a game is when there's too much text where you just want to skip through it all and you're just like Mm. button mashing. You're like, oh my God, let me just get past this. They did a wonderful job of making every single line of dialogue in that game important and interesting to where you actually want to hear the voice actor say the full sentence and read it at the same time. I always have subtitles when I play. Um, Mm. But yeah, they just did, the whole story was just so great. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to the ending soon, but Mm. I mean, it's one of the most memorable endings of any game to me. Um, It's it's funny that you mentioned sort of that sort of fine line between long dialogue and sort of having that dialogue that sort of keeps the player interested to the point where, you know, you don't skip it. Like, it's funny that we sort of mentioned Cyberpunk earlier because, like, and I realize that's a fairly recent uh, mm. game. And I also fairly realize that we may be sort of kicking it while it's down here right now yeah. as of recording this. But, like, for me, like, I remember just thinking, uh, at least from the from the amount of time I played it, it's just like, the, the, none of this dialogue interests me. None of this sort of... Uh, speaks to me it's too long you're going on and i i realize as someone who tends to speak a lot and for a long time (laughs) to the point where if somebody tells me to shut up no (laughs) then i'll shut up but (laughs) but basically what i'm trying to say is um like i I, cyberpunk is sort of on the opposite end spectrum mass effect is on the other end of the spectrum which is like it may have one or two spots where it has that issue, but like again, those are few and far between. And even mm. then, like in those instances, it feels like it's earned enough goodwill to sort of read through dialogue, listen to the dialogue. It feels like it's earned that. Yeah, and it's also a, a testament to the voice actors because there's not a single person in that game where I was like, "Oh my god, I can't stand this voice," um, which that's also annoying, but. In this case, the talent in this game and the way they brought the writer's words to life, um, I mean, brought the game to life. So it's such a team effort in this case to make this game so special to so many people. Um, Because, yeah, I can't imagine, like, different voices now. Whenever, if I hear that voice, I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I remember her in Mass Effect. Or that voice sounds so familiar. I bet it was in Mass Effect, you know? 
so let's let, let's discuss some of the locations within Mass Effect Two because I like I sort of want to mention that as well. Um, mm. like there's quite a few places that you um go to, but the two sort of most or sorry, the three most um sort of at least in terms of me anyway, like sort of stand out is um uh Ilium. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there. What's the mission you do in Ilium? <clears throat> um, I'm trying to remember. I think it's to get Jack, if I remember right. Uh, um, we're on the same brain because literally when you said locations, I thought you were gonna be like, "What's your favorite location?" I'd be like, "Jack's story <laughs> is the most interesting one." Oh no, it's not Jack. Sorry, it's Fane. It's Fane you go to Ilium for. It's 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 uh, Fane oh, you go well, to Ilium for. That too, Fane and Jack and Garrus. Um. And uh, you mentioned Garrus. Omega oh, is such a ruthless place. Such a ruthless place. That's where you meet uh, Carrie Ann Moss's character for the first time. Mm-hmm. And she delivers this amazing line that is filled with badassery, but seriousness to it. Where if someone actually, someone like her character said it to you, you would be running for the border. <laughs> And the way she says, she says the line, don't fuck with Arya. And I'm just like, you're like, okay, (laughs) I won't. Okay, well, thanks for the chat. All right, bye. Appreciate it. Bye. (laughs) Definitely. Omega is such, oh God. It reminds me of like Guardians of the Galaxy when they go to that one place. I don't remember what it was. Uh, I think it was with all the gambling and stuff. And it was mm. just, you saw people being beat up in the background and stuff. Like, that's so Omega. And so mm. Garrus. It's it's just so... <clears throat> not downbeat. Like, down... No, not even downtrodden. Because it feels like there's sort of a bad luck story there. It just feels very rough and gritty. Yeah, When you're exactly. on Omega. Yeah. And it feels like a place that you would never, ever want to be in. Ever. Oh, I would not survive. I would not survive if we went to Omega right now. No, no, no. <laughs> I no, wish. I wish I could be like, nah, I'd be amazing there. That's where I would. <laughs> that's where I would blossom is on Omega. And then you and then you go in the afterlife and meet and meet Arya and you sit down. and She tells you you don't fuck with Arya. Okay, peace. I'm like, out. Oh, bye. Okay, okay bye. <laughs> and then me and then catching up with Garrus there again. I, I, I mentioned this actually in the, the Mass Effect 2 retrospective we did on uh, Play Diaries. Um, I basically <laughs> remember uh, saying this to Flynn, I think. And I even remember writing this in the piece where um, one of my highlights is on Omega where it's revealed that the Archangel is calling chaos for all three mercenary groups there. Because on Omega, like, you're called then and then you find out that the three mercenary groups just basically up to no good. But then there's somebody called the Archangel who's basically sort of fucking everything up. Mm-hmm. And then, as I say in the piece, one of my highlights is Sonomega, where it's revealed the Archangel that's called in chaos for all three mercenary groups there turns out to be Garrus. Mm. And I remember loving that reveal, just going, all right, I want to kill the Archangel. Takes the helmet off. <gasps> oh my god, it's Garrus! Oh, you're so happy. You're like, okay, I feel safe now. <laughs> exactly! <laughs> I feel so much safer because now I have I found someone who I used to know back in my uh, Normandy, uh, my first Normandy days back in Mass Effect One. It just feels like, um, besides Joker, obviously, it just feels like <sighs> we're getting the crew back together. We're getting the band back together. <clears throat> yeah, 
It was great. And you mentioned Ilium too with Thane. Um, that was a really cool mission too. And just like mm. Thane, Thane is, I feel like is kind of like the, the gambit of this world. Like he's the, didn't he like grow up as an assassin or something? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's intense. But Thane was so interesting too. Cause he was such a quiet, mysterious character, but he's so good at what he does. So I love mm. that level. And then the other one that I was thinking of as well, I mentioned three. The other one was that I was thinking of was um, Tuchunka. Which one was that? Tuchunka is the Krogan homeworld. Oh, uh, Krogan! That was the what's the char- the character's name? Uh, well, it depends really on who you have saved uh, between Mass Effect. Grunt. One. It's either Grunt. Yes, Grunt. Grunt. Yeah. Okay, that's so what I was trying to think of earlier. So if you don't save Rex, you get Grunt as part of your party. Yeah, I got Grunt. Um, and I'm just reading up what you do on Tachanka because again, it's been a few years for the both of us. But like, I know. Um, when are we like, getting that remaster? Oh, <laughs> well, well, we'll talk about the remaster in a bit. But like, um, yeah, um, it feels like for me those are the three big worlds that sort of define what Mass Effect Two is all about. And then obviously you get to see the likes of you know, you do the mission for um Jack as well and her mission. Um, which prison, I'm sort of right? just. She was like breaking uh, out of a prison in space. Yes, breaking out yeah. of a prison. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, she's breaking out of this prison and she's just like extremely badass. Yeah. And tattoos. Uh, tat- full of tattoos. Like, I think tattoos. basically her entire body is of tattoos at this point. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, the other one other massive aspect of Mass Effect that's uh, Mass Effect Two anyway that's worth delving into is um the music. Mm. The music is so good. The big sort of highlight for me in terms of that is the the elusive man's theme. It feels iconic. One hundred percent. Like when you start the game up and you have that menu and you have that simple what it's like two notes. Mm. The and it's just like literally right now. I haven't played that game in forever. I can hear that theme. Um, mm. Like, it's up there with, like, Halo theme. Like, as soon as you hear that sound, you know that it's Mass Effect. And that's, I mean, that's pretty special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know exactly what you're on, uh, which one you're on, but it feels uh, iconic. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, mm. the music in the game is, is incredible. And, I, and, like, it's not even so much music uh, as it is, but, like, I remember, like, the early traders from Mass Effect 2 and the Mass Effect 1 traders just remember having somewhat... How would I describe it? Because hmm. it's not music, but, like, I remember the Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2 traders sort of having this sort of distinct sort of reaperish noise. Mm-hmm. And then it's a sort of... Like, a sort of... Uh, how would I describe it? Sort of... Slightly fade out noise of sorts for the lack of a better term yeah um like that that, that those were just for the trailers but i remember like uh liking that a little bit like that's admittedly very 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 nerdy and nothing to do at all with the music but like um in terms of the actual music of the game anyway like it's just so it feels so fitting for a mass effect game anyway yeah and it, it sticks with you same with like i feel like random things in that game kind of stuck with me one in particular, it wasn't even Mass Effect 2. I, th- I think it was in the third one with the Banshee scream. Mm. 
that sound haunts me to this day. Every time that level would come and you have to fight against banshees, I was like, I don't want to do this. It was kind of like in Halo when you had to fight the flood. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. It's so scary. <laughs> Can we just skip past it? <laughs> I I know what I know that feeling because there are only two uh, no besides my arachnophobia and just sort of having to go through games with spiders in them Ugh. um like and I've only done this <clears throat> at least three times with Uncharted Alan Wake's American Nightmare or something else I can't quite remember mm. but like um uh there is a game that I think recently done this I'm trying to remember Control. Mm-hmm. Control that this, um, like I think, um, it, one of the enemy variants you face in the game, you just like, no, I don't want to go through them, I don't want to go through them, I don't want to go through them, they're very <laughs> scary, they're very creepy. Like, I, I, I know that feeling, at least with uh, what you're saying with the banshees, I don't want definitely, yeah, that was me, that's me also with any underwater level. I have like a like an irrational fear of like water where I can't see the bottom, like it's pitch black, like the ocean. If I'm in the hmm. ocean, it's pitch black. I also have a big irrational fear of. of I mean, it's not super rational, but, like, drowning in a confined space. So, like, any movie that has that scene, like the beginning of Castaway or in Kingsman when the, the thing fills up and they're all underwater, or any underwater level in, like, Uncharted, Tomb Raider, I don't like those levels. Even Nintendo 64 or Super Mario 64, when he had to swim down and the eels would, like, poke out from the side, ugh, it caused me so much stress. <laughs> so I totally understand. <laughs> Isn't that somewhat uh, claustrophobia? Kind of, yeah. I don't have a problem being in a tight space, though. Oh, like, okay. But it's more, if I'm in a tight space and there's a possibility of water coming in, no, 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 no. Nope. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I somewhat understand. Okay, no, that's fair enough. It makes so I, much I, sense. I, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, let's, let's discuss the ending, then. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of those times where I feel in a game... There is absolutely massive weight and stakes and consequences to them. Yeah. One of the very few games I feel that I've played where I have made decisions and as a result there are going to be massive consequences to them. And depending mm-hmm. on how it goes, I may not even have to face consequences and all that there. All the same, um, when you go to face the collectors... Mm-hmm. And they've they've basically kidnapped your entire party at this point, and basically you have to go and go through the relay um uh that sort of could that will sort of cause wreckage and havoc on the Normandy um I remember going through that for the first time, and I remember losing like immediately immediately at least two characters, one of them was Jack. No. And I just felt gutted for myself so immediately. Guilty too. Because... You feel so guilty. Exactly, because <laughs> you didn't do enough to sort of prepare the Normandy in time. You didn't do enough to prepare your party in time. And obviously yeah. you didn't do mission. You sort of, depending on the character, anyway, you didn't do your side missions for them, the sort of personal missions for them. Mm-hmm. And Jack was one of the characters that I sort of lost going through the relay. And then uh, the other one was who was the other one that I lost? Who's the other one I lost? It was it was it, it was basically Billy Eilish. Billy Eilish's mother. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Eilish's mother. We lost her. Uh, that's that's just basically it. It's right at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I lost um, Jacob. 
Jacob was the one I lost. I remember losing. Because I remember I was frustrated because I thought I was so set on keeping the whole team alive. But no, I still lost someone. I was so upset. Mm. Um, <sighs> so when I went for the relay, it was Jack and Samara that I lost. So and sad. then you, and then you had to go into the sort of collector hive mind to get your party out. And I remember getting Jack out. I remember getting Garrus out. I remember getting Jacob and Miranda out. And I remember getting Chambers out. I thank the ever-living gods that I was able to get Chambers out of there and alive. Oh my god, no you had problem. to. You love Chambers. I love Chambers. I love Chambers. <laughs> She's my wife. Yeah, you uh, have to make sure you get your loved ones out of the thing. <laughs> Um, and I think, if I remember correctly, um, I didn't, no, did I lose Morden? No, I, I did lose Morden. I lost Morden, too. Um, Morden, who did I lose? Morden in that period. Morden and, ooh, feels like I lost someone else, too. I think I might have lost Fane in there as well. Wasn't, what's her name, Kasumi? Is that a character? Kasumi, yeah, Kasumi, um, Or is that DLC. a dead and alive character? No, 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 no. Kasumi's, um... Uh, oh, she's no. also in Dead or Alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that <laughs> same Kasumi, obviously, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kasumi was the spy, like, assassin yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, DL... That was the character that came out as part of the DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, Kasumi's, uh... I'm trying to remember the name of the DLC. Um, fuck. I don't remember the name of it. Um, <laughs> downloadable content. Here we go. Um, list of da da da. There, uh, Shadowbroker arrival. Bah, 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 bah. No, there was there was something else. Um, ah, Kasumi stolen memory. That that was it. That was yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had uh, the hood. She was very mysterious. Yeah, and I think she was only added as part of the DLC, right? Yeah, because you like. I think you go to the Citadel and you talk to her as like a hologram. And mm. then she's actually standing right above you, and she's like, "Get back to the ship, Shepard!" And you're like, "Whoa, you were there the whole time!" Like, <laughs> and then she's on your team. Um, and yeah, so yeah, I think it was I didn't have Kasumi then. Um, so yeah, it was Jack and sorry, no, Jack was the thing. Um, Fane and uh, Morden was who I lost in the collectors. Yeah. So I didn't really do well in terms of maintaining my ship, mm-hmm. going through the relay. And I lost Jack, um, and then uh, Samara and Morden and Fane, like, in that suicide mission. Like, what about you? What, who, who did you manage to sort of save, and who did you lose? Uh, I, the, so I played Mass Effect several times, as I'm sure everyone has, because it's replayable to the max. Like, you can just play that game over and over and over again. Uh, but I remember um, losing Morden and Jacob. I think at one point also I lost Miranda, but Jacob and Morden were the two I remember losing because I was, I didn't put enough time into them. Like I said, Mm. I couldn't get Jacob to like me. I don't know what answers I was choosing. I was trying so hard, but I think like as soon as you make one decision, it's like, okay, you're on this path forever. He's never going to like you. Mm. But I remember I couldn't save them. And that was a bummer because I, I tried to. Like, this wasn't on my first playthrough, so I was trying so hard to make it out alive with my whole team intact. Uh, and I failed. I lost two. That I remember. I probably lost more on my first try for sure, but I, I don't remember it anymore. Hmm. Um, what is it about um, Warden that you didn't put time in for? 
Uh, I don't remember honestly. Morden was super interesting to me. I thought his his character was so quirky uh, mm. and interesting, and he was so smart and awkward. And I I really liked that about him. I feel like in real life, I would have really liked talking to him. <laughs> like we would have gotten along. I don't know why he ended up dying. I must have missed something because I I tried to do everything I could to keep the whole team alive, but. He's not a character I didn't like. I liked him. I don't know. Mm. I, 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 I didn't do him well. I killed him. So I was found out. <laughs> I'm sorry, Morden. Um, and then, so I guess then, um, let's get to the ending. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it feels like very, it sets the stage. Mm. It really, like, obviously there's DLC. We're standing, obviously, like, Shadow Broker, Kasumi, Arrival, and like we can discuss that in a minute, but like the ending. Yes. When you see the Reapers coming in from dark space, you're like, oh my god, the next game is going to be such an intense battle. Um, yeah, the ending, like, I just remember it stopping after that, and I was like, fuck, that was so good. And you like immediately want to replay it because you're like, <laughs> It's just not, not, so not even so not even so much replay. You're just looking for a way to break into Bioware Edmonton and play the play Mass Effect free from start to finish. Yeah, at that point. Oh, it was just so good, and I'll never forget that ending. Just the ships coming in, because you think like, oh, maybe I helped. Maybe I I genuinely helped stop some of them, and you're just like, nope. Here they all are, and just the idea that the creepiness that they were trying to make this human reaper. Mm. they're just so creepy and evil and it, the ending just gave me chills and I was like I'm so sad I finished the game and the, fun, <laughs> and, the, and the funny thing is like on its most basic level like it is just a basic ending yeah like, definitely. the baddies thing, special, it's, it's, really. it's, it's just a it's just a trophy the baddies are coming uh-huh. the true baddies are coming once and for all to end this thing but the thing is through the events that have happened through Mass Effect 1 and 2, there's a lot more weight to it. There's a lot more stakes to it. And that's why it feels so much more impactful. And, like, if you did lose a bunch of your characters that you genuinely cared for, you're even more pissed because you're like, fuck you, I'm going to come after you because you guys killed my friends that I tried so hard to keep alive. Like, there's just so much weight to these people and these, these Reapers just coming back. You're like, oh, my God, just you wait till Mass Effect 3, where I can kick your ass. Exactly. <laughs> That's why the ending feels as great as, as, as the, end, the ending is as great as it is, because it just, it's, it's vengeful. Yeah, it's it is. Like, it's vengeful. It feels like I am out for vengeance. I am out for revenge. Like I'm out for me, revenge. It gave me goosebumps where I was like, oh my God, but then it made me angry. So I was mm. like, this is such a good ending to give me that. Because usually at an ending of a game, you're kind of sad. And you did lose some people. So, like, also, fact, I cry over everything. Like, if anything's sad, I cry at a commercial. I'll cry, like, it's the worst. So you bet I cried so much during Mass Effect 2 Mm. when I lost my characters. And then when seeing those Reapers come through, I was like, no, no, no. I'm not going to be sad. (laughs) I'm going to get you. (laughs) Don't you worry. I'm going to fuck you up. (laughs) Uh yeah, such a good ending. Such a good ending. Um uh so yeah, the um the DLC like there was um the likes of Kasumi mm-hmm. and um 
what else was there? There was Zaid as well. Um, yeah, I totally forgot yeah. about that actually. Yeah, Zaid was such a good mission as well. In fact, uh, came as part of launch as well. Like, um, yeah, such mm. a such a good good piece of content that was. Um, they had good then, DLCs for this game. Uh, there was about story based wise stuff. There was at least. Uh, in terms of the main stuff, I don't know. Like, there was at least four. So, yeah. there was... Oh, well, five, I guess, if you can include Zaid. So, there was Zaid, The Price of Revenge, Kasumi's Stolen Memory, Overlord, mm. um, and then the big one, the big one came as... Well, there was two real... Like, the, all of them were big, but, like, the two really big ones felt like the first one, anyway... Was Lair of the Shadow Broker? Yeah, that's the one and I that, remember best. I think of them all. And that was and that was because more than likely because it had Liara in it. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it was definitely. very it was very centered around Liara, mm-hmm. and basically you see her basically come up and um, see her become the Shadow Broker afterwards. Yeah. And it's and it's in it's such a good piece of content that I think, um, and then the other one is the arrival DLC, which mm-hmm. launched at the start of twenty eleven basically, and that's the one that sort of sets up the events of Mass Effect Three. Yeah, I think they did a good job with the DLCs. I, to be honest, I I rarely buy DLCs for games. Um, mm. I don't I don't know why. I guess it's just like I just don't want to spend any more money. Um, but with these, I remember, I don't think I actually played all of them. I remember Kasubis, um, Mm. for sure. And then the only kind of DLC I ever played was that one and, um, The Last of Us, was it Left Behind? Yeah, Last of Us Left Um, Behind, Which was one of the best DLCs I've ever played. That story was really good. But yeah, I remember Kasumi's story, um, and I, I don't think I played the others, to be honest. Oh wow! I really recommend Layer of the Shadow Broker. At least it's really, really great. Like, like, just it really helps add a lot more context to um, uh, Liara. Like, such a brilliant piece of story. So well, good. Listen, when they bring back the remasters, I'll play them all in one sitting. <laughs> I'll talk to you in nine days. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um. We'll talk about the remaster in a minute, but like, um, what else do you like about Mass Effect Two that we've not discussed tonight? Uh, we talked about the battle system, the characters, the story. Um, I really liked the uh, the Paragon Renegade thing, like you know when it would flash right trigger, yeah. left trigger that you'd have to like quickly press it, otherwise you missed it. Um, I thought that was kind of a cool thing because sometimes you were actually angry and you'd be like, "Yeah, that's right, I want to yell at you," and you'd press it. Um, so I like that story. Um, but yeah, I feel like we talked about everything that I, I really love about the game and, and just what made it so special and just the history of my gaming background, I guess, and why I remember it so vividly. It's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that Paragon, uh, element of the game because now I'm just remembering the journalist Shepard punches in Mass Effect 2. Oh yeah, on the meet- Citadel. Yeah, and then you meet them again in Mass Effect Three, and then you could go for them again. It just go, and then the punches block like not this time, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. 
Um, this is a question you've been very much looking forward to, I think. What Ooh. didn't you like? <laughs> the probes, the probing, the probes. I was just like, I was waiting for you to ask me this. Like, sending out, scanning the planet and sending out, like, what? She's Edie, she's like, probe away. Like, that will never leave my mind of the goddamn probes. I found it, you had to do it so often. And I was like, if I have to hear Probe Away one more time, I'm going to rage quit, but I actually won't because I love the game. But it was just very time consuming. And I understand it existing. I understand why it was in the game to get the palladium and the iridium and the whatever, the element zero. Um, I understand the purpose, but I could do without it. I wish there was mm. another way to easily get those things rather than probing away all the time <laughs> you 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 will now hear probe away in your sleep for the rest of your life oh god no <laughs> lord knows i did when i when i was going for it for at least a few weeks <laughs> probe away no <laughs> that was perfect <laughs> that was perfect you're like Edie, shut up what about you do you have something you don't like? Ugh. Or that just, like, you know, you could live without it? Um, yeah, I think probably the same. Like, in terms of, like the probes, yeah. Because, like, it felt like, at least on the surface, there was not a whole lot for why you had to send them away. Obviously, it's you have to send them away for materials to mm. help build up your party, build up your ship ahead of the final battle. But I don't think that was advertised very well, um, mm -hmm. at least from what I remember. Um, what else? It was, well, especially uh, to how it affects the ending of the game. Like, you need yeah. the materials. And then I remember the first time I was playing it through, I was like, man, this is a little time-consuming. I'm just going to stop doing it. And then I realized, oh, you really mm. have to. Like, you should. Mm. But, so, yeah, it's just very time-consuming. I think, I think that was probably it, because it didn't feel like... At least really well advertised in terms of what you could do with, the, with sending those probes away. Didn't feel really well. Don't sort say of. probes away. <laughs> At least I can't do it in the voice, unlike you. <laughs> oh, I say it all the time, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah. Um, let, let's discuss the remaster. Feel... feel when they finally announced that remaster, that remaster collection, it felt like catharsis. It felt like <laughs> there was something lifted off my shoulders, lifted off my body. Because it feels, it feels like for the, it feels like for the longest time, I've been waiting for this collection, oh. because Bioware have teased it on and off, like over God knows how long since before Mass Effect Andromeda was a thing. And the fact that we're finally getting it, I can just sort of sing to the sky. Hallelujah! <laughs> Seriously, we've been waiting so long for this to yeah. happen. Oh my god, I can't wait. You have you have no idea how excited I am to go through like entire collection again. Like For all the faults that Mass Effect 3 has, especially if it's ending. Um, um, which I think is actually somewhat redeemed in part thanks to the um 
DLC that comes out from Mass Effect Three um, on the Citadel, Mass Effect Three Citadel. Even um, it's it feels like worthwhile. It feels like such a long time coming to get those games again, uh, yeah. especially on modern modern platforms. Yes, they're not getting Xbox Series X or PlayStation Five native releases. They're just PS4 games. And, I'll take it. Uh, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll happily take it. Like within an inch of like, like no, it's not here. But I have an N7 wallet. Like with the N7, I have a wallet with the N7 insignia on it. I would wave it to you right now and say, all the money I have in this wallet, you can have it. Bioware, all the money. Like I will happily take my money. I will buy it once. I will buy it twice. I will buy it thrice. I will double dip it. I will triple dip it. I will buy this collection. Damn it! Take my money. All my friends, I'm gonna be like goodbye. I'll see you in maybe like a couple weeks. I gotta sit down with this. I gotta play. Couple through weeks. It. Those are rookie numbers. I'll wear my N7 onesie that I have, and I'll just sit and enjoy and take my time and play through them all, except for Andromeda. <laughs> couple couple of weeks those are rookie numbers you gotta put those n- numbers up you gotta be thinking long term here you gotta be thinking the long game here months I months I have to take I have to take my time and cherish the games yeah I can't mm. wait but okay this is a hot take I wasn't super upset with the Mass Effect 3 ending I know it was such a polarizing thing on the internet I thought it was mm. fine it wasn't amazing but like I wasn't as angry as other people were I was like it's fine mm. Like I, I didn't like it. I really didn't, but I wasn't angry about it. I wasn't, you know, banging at the door by where saying, change it, change it, change yeah. it. Yeah, I'm never um, that person. I'm never, like, super, no. I'm not an angry person just in general. So I played it, and I was like, I mean, it wasn't, it's no Mass Effect 2, but, like, I'll take it. It's fine. And like, um, Mass, like, like, even outside that end, the Mass Effect 3 is still a very, very good game. It's really a great good game. game. Great game, even. Like, I put it in my top three yeah, I the year it. it came out. Like it was so good, so good. Mm-hmm. I loved, like I loved Mass Effect Three right up until that ended. But then, even then, again, like Citadel, the Citadel DLC sort of definitely redeemed it. Partly, in my eyes, at least, because Citadel felt like closure in a way. Mm-hmm. Citadel felt like, um, like you're getting all the gang back together. You're doing this inconsequential mission, I guess. Not nonsensical, but inconsequential. Inconsequential, but most importantly, you get all these sort of characters that you've met and come across over the past, you know, many years. And that, I guess, that's, I guess, that's sort of why I sort of like to see that as the end of a Mass Effect three mm-hmm. in a way, because it well, feels, because it feels like, because again, it ties back into that sort of aspect of Mass Effect. That yeah. You talked about it earlier, and that I talked about it. Like we like that we sort of were bouncing off one another on, and that is the bond and the connections you have with the characters throughout these three games. Yeah, I can't wait to be with them again. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to talk about the teaser? Yes, we are going to talk about the teaser. <laughs> I was just about to bring that up. Oh my god! So obviously, for those you probably have seen it by now, but um, the Game Awards. Mass Effect. There's a new Mass Effect coming. Obviously, we knew this from N7 Day last year when Bioware announced there was a new Mass Effect in early development. Um, uh, who is Mike Gamble is working on that as the project director on that one. And then we got a trailer at the Game Awards. 
And it seems like we are going back to the Shepherd trilogy. Well, I say we're going back to the Shepherd trilogy, but we also could be going back to Andromeda as well, because like there's those two galaxy shots in the teaser as well, suggesting that this could be sort of a mix between the two, a mix between the Shepherd trilogy and mm. um, Andromeda, and just and then obviously you see the N seven insignia. The shepherd always wore, wore, and obviously Liara as well. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Do we play as Liara, do you think? I don't know if we're going to play as Liara. I I'm don't like, think so. I'm very intrigued, and I wouldn't be mad at it. If, like, no, I, I wouldn't it. either. I wouldn't either, but I'd... It'd be, it'd be different. It would be... That, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. But we'll see. Like, I'm you're very so, excited. You know, because they're so used to sort of making your own character in any Bioware game, whether that's Mass Effect, Dragon Age, whatever. But like playing an already predetermined character, mm. it would be different. But I'd be It'd down be for it. I'd be down for it, especially I'm as it does. They are, you know. I'm down to, uh, to try out some new stuff. I feel like this is definitely leading into a sort of return of part, uh, in part at least, with the Shepherd Trilogy. And there's a re- and there's two reasons for this line of thinking. One, we're finally getting the collection next year and two we had uh, a sort of zoom thing with the entire well not the entire but most the original cast of the shepherd trilogy and i feel like those were sort of planting seeds a little bit teasing Mm. a little bit so and like that uh cast zoom thing was on n7 day a few hours after they announced the collection and the new game so maybe two and two together here yeah I think it's it's a it would make sense for sure. I guess obviously if we're mentioning sort of um, the Shepherd trilogy and see how that uh, pans in with the new game, obviously the other aspect of it is Andromeda, and obviously if we're going to talk about the Shepherd trilogy, we've got to mention Andromeda in part. Um, how did you mm. find Andromeda? I'm gonna be blunt and say I didn't like it. Uh, I. I was very, I was kind of bored through it and it felt very tedious to me. Like it, the whole game kind of felt like the probing in Mass Effect 2 for me because like. Probes away. Oh God. (laughs) 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 Um, But I I didn't have the same connection with any of the characters, which was, Mm. that's what made the game to me. So when I started playing Andromeda, of course I was so excited about when it came out. I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. But the characters didn't really do it for me. I didn't really um, have the same connection with any of them. And so to me, what's the point of a game like that if you don't really like the people that you're supposed to look out for? Um, but that was my, you know, that was my experience. I'm sure a lot of people really loved it. Uh, but yeah. Like, like I, I absolutely agree with you in terms of the connection because I think that was the most important part for me in terms of the Shepherd trilogy. I had those connections with the likes of Garrus, Liara, um, Jack Faint, whatever. Mm. But with Mass Effect and Drama, I didn't have that. Like the closest I could say I, I could connect with a character was Ryder, my own Ryder. Mm-hmm. But that was only because I made that Ryder. Yeah. That was it. That was the only connection I could feel. And like, I think I put in about eight to ten hours in the Andromeda before I stopped. That's about actually what I did too. It just like it it I mean, 
it's like a TV show too, right? Like if you watch a few episodes and it, it's taking you this long to kind of get into it, it's probably just not the one for you. Um, mm. So I kind of felt like that. Like this, that game, while it's big and ambitious and it's part of Mass Effect, um, I just don't think that was that was for me. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to replay it now before the next oh, one comes out. Oh God, we do, don't we? I think we have oh, no. to. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, this is gonna. Be... No, it's okay. I'm, I'm, it's okay. I won't be that harsh on Andromeda. It, no, it's... no, it's it's, no, no. it's fine. It'll be fine. Um, so then, uh, top three Mass Effect games. I'll, uh, well, we're, we're let's assume that we're basically ranking the Shepherd Trilogy at this point. We're not in ranking Andromeda here, but like, <laughs> um, two would be at the top. But how would you fill out uh, second and third? Um, probably two, one, three. And I think, like, one and three are kind of the same for me. Like, I love them both. They're very different. Mm. Uh, but I think one should just be up there just because it was the start of something super exciting. Um, so, yeah, I think that's my order. What about you? Pretty much the same. Two. Yeah. Well, actually, no. Uh, I know. Two, that's why the, I... two, two at the top, obviously. But, yes, um, 100%. One, because it started everything off. Or three, because it feels like a refinement. Yeah, so that's why I'm like Mass one and two. three are kind of the same. Like I like I like them together, mm. but two is best. I think for me it would probably be two, three, one at this point because mm-hmm. like Mass Effect one, great as it is, story, characters, writing, and all that. There, it feels like for me the gameplay has aged in a really bad way mm-hmm. in terms of the sort of and and graphically as well, I guess. Um, yeah. Whereas with um, whereas with free, um, like obviously I have my issues with the ending, but I also have <laughs> other issues elsewhere. Hmm. Um, like I remember going through two boss fights in the game. One of them was a Reaper, and I remember that taking a long time. The set, oh, the second one. The second one I had was towards Master Effect Free's end game, and you had to face Kailang of Cerberus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fight in itself takes around five minutes. Yeah. The first time I played through that fight, Kelsey, it was around three hours. I kept dying over no. and over and over and oh, excuse me, over and over and over and over oh, again, basically. God. And like I, I in that in those three hours, I remember just thinking. Like swearing constantly, nonstop. <laughs> I think I might have come up with brand new swears in the process. Because you just um, get so frustrated. You're like, "Can I just? I'm gonna yeah. can I just get past this. I just need to get past this so I can play yeah. the game." And I and then like finally getting past, that, I was just like, "Get fucked, you Troy Baker voice motherfucker." <laughs> was, it feels like I'm basically saying, "Get fucked, Troy Baker." Oh no! No, I don't mean that. I love Troy Baker. <laughs> I don't, don't love Kai Lang though. Um, but yeah, I remember I uh, playing that and then uh, getting through to the end game of Mass Effect Three, and that took me a good few hours in itself. And that was on. And I remember finishing Mass Effect Three that weekend. It came out like I remember like finishing up like in small hours of Sunday Monday morning after launch. Same thing with Mass Effect Two. So like, yeah, um, yeah, probably two, three, one for me.
Yes, honorable mentions, and there was um, worth mentioning here that there was one other Bioware game that you were thinking of discussing as the sort of main focal point of this episode. That I would guess you would put in your honorable mentions. Oh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Yes, that's one of my favorites. I've played that game. I don't even. I, th- I lost count of how many times I played that game. And Iron Bull is one of my favorite video game characters as well. Freddie Prince Jr. as the voice. He was phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I love that game. Um, that would be up there. Journey is one of my favorites. Um, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Red Dead Redemption Two, um, and Apex Legends. I play. I think I. I never thought I'd say like a, a battle royale is one of my favorite games, but I have spent so many hours on that game and I've met some like through quarantine. I've actually made amazing friends through the apex community. I've never met them, but I play with them all nine all the time. So it's kind of a special game to me now. And, and honestly, it's one of my favorites. I just have so much fun playing that game. And I, I'm so grateful that I've, been able to meet people through a game i don't know that's i never thought i'd say that but it's been really really fun for the sake of full disclosure me and kelsey have played a few matches of of apex together on ps4 it's so fun (laughs) it is so fun it is it is so fun um so yeah um a bit more context in some of the other games as well um let's let me think of a game um okay so yeah we had a journey episode earlier in the season um such a phenomenal game. It's one of the other games that are, is in my top 10 games of all time alongside Mass Effect 2. It's in my top 3, actually. Me too. If And, like, I'm so glad that, you know, Annapurna has put it out to a wider audience on PC as well and mobile mm-hmm. as well. Um, Because, like, so many people need to play Journey. Like, yes, it is, at its heart, very much a PlayStation game. But I'm so glad that Annapurna did put it out on PC and mobile because, like, Journey is a game that very much needs to be played at least once because it is such a phenomenal game, especially if, especially if you can find a random person mm. towards the end of the game and you go through the end with them. It feels a lot more impactful and meaningful. Yeah, I, I, I remember when I played it the first time, as I mentioned before, I cried with everything. So like at the ending of that game, I was just bawling. I was like... What is this game that there's no dialogue, there's no verbal story, you know, it's just about the journey of getting to this place. And I remember when the credits started rolling, and I'm sure everyone had the same experience playing it for the first time, but when the credits start rolling, you didn't realize they were real people that you were running around with until the very Mm -hmm. end and you saw their PSN names in the credits. Um, And I mean, the music, Austin Wintry, obviously, he's super talented. He did such an amazing job. It's still one of, like, to this day, one of my favorite game scorers of all time. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's a beautiful game. And, you know, just, it's just, like, you don't need text and you don't need verbal speaking in order to enjoy a game with someone else um, and just teamwork. It, I don't know. It was just a beautiful game. Like, the the message of the game and the length of the game was perfect, and I replayed it so many times just to try to get the white rope and everything. But, uh, yeah, it was really special. It's a really special experience. And if you haven't played it, please, please, please do. Um, it's short. It's a great experience, and I think it, it's so memorable. Hmm. Um, 
another actually it's, it doesn't have its own episode but like i remember um talking i think this is actually depending on how i arrange this um me and alex canaris who is the art director of polygon treehouse who recently put out rookie we discussed um horizon zero dawn and mm-hmm. its art direction and like yeah yeah like talk a bit about that why is that on your list uh well first of all i just really like aloy uh <clears throat> and i think what what made me really like the game was the i love sci-fi i'm a big sci-fi fan i'll pretty much read or watch anything that's sci-fi um mm. and i thought the premise of this game was so interesting we're like we're so advanced that we went all the way back to basically cavemen status but with all the technological advances and creatures and stuff i just found that very interesting as a premise for a game um and i really it was very intuitive for me like the controls and it felt very fluid and um just Aloy as a character was super fun to play as I really liked um her beautiful red locks and the I just thought she was kind of she was a badass but she was very caring um and it looked beautiful I mean I think that game is so beautiful like the first time you see the tall necks just like shivers would run down your body and you're like man i hope i can climb that and guess what you can climb it so like i just thought that was so cool um yeah no 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 and i think for me what made horizons special is that it came from a first time debuting developer in that genre in the in the space in the folks of guerrilla games they did amazing like transitioning from shooters like killzone they saw oh, so Killzone. wonderful I love Killzone. It's like I have a sort of love hate relationship with Killzone. I, I love Killzone too, but so like... much. The first one was so was my favorite. I would play that all the time with my friend, and she didn't yeah, like kill, games. Yeah, so Killzone one was not too bad. I I, yeah. I liked Killzone one. I think for me, there's a fondness for Killzone one. Killzone two yeah. was fantastic. Oh, it was so good. But yeah, we could talk about that. We could talk about games forever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the like, Horizon Zero Dawn was was new. It was like a breath of fresh air. Like I was just like this is so interesting and I really like the plot. Like if this was a book, I would read it. If it was a TV show, I'd watch it. Um, but also please don't make it a TV show or a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear me? <laughs> um, I guess the other one that you mentioned then, um, Red Dead Redemption 2. And it's a fairly recent, in terms of, you know, games that we're, ta- we're talking about here, like it's probably the most recent one that is part of, you know, either the main crux of an episode or uh, an honorable mention. Like, it was only two years ago it came out. But um, it's a, I feel somewhat conflicted with Red Dead Redemption 2, obviously because of how it was made in a way, but also because it feels so refined and polished and the story is incredible. Some of, like, Rockstar is the best when it comes to open world exploration by, mm. by a quite some margin and and i say that as someone who didn't like red well not didn't like but i thought red dead redemption one i thought it was a good game but somewhat overrated i didn't really get the fuss about that but red dead redemption but red dead redemption 2 i absolutely adored i absolutely adored yeah it was just i remember i'd play it when it came out every day when i got home from work and I would look forward to it so much. You just kind of get lost in the game and you could ride your horse for literal 
realistic hours uh and you like barely scratched the surface of the game and it was just such an escape for me and the fact that you could you know sit in your camp realistically like in real time and you know your your friends would uh start playing instruments and dance or and you'd miss out things if you didn't if you would just save and go to sleep you'd miss out potentially on like a a dance around the fire um Hmm. Yeah, it was just special. I was just able to kind of escape in this world. And I remember I was really bummed out when I finished it. Because, like, I also tried to keep my first horse alive throughout the entire game, which I managed. I, I remember I accidentally killed it once. And I quickly <laughs> unplugged my PlayStation. And I was like, I hope it didn't save. Because, like, I need that horse back. And it didn't save. So I ha- I kept my horse throughout the entire game. And spoiler alert, the ending, your horse dies. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I I struggled so hard to keep you alive. Mm. (laughs) But yeah, it's a beautiful game. So, 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 it's so well made, so well crafted to give Rockstar's credit there. Even if, you know, but like, um, and the funny thing is about that ending uh, in regards to Red Dead, spoilers, but although at this point it's been two years anyway, um, like, I think going through the end of that game after Arthur dies, after Morgan dies, um, after he dies, and then going through like that last bit of the game mm. as John Marsden, I actually like that bit in Red. Uh, like, people say that probably went uh, Red Dead Redemption Two went on a bit too long when you're playing as John Marsden. I actually enjoyed a lot, uh, all of that actually as John Marsden at the end of Red Dead Redemption Two. I then agree. I did. Then I did. Like for a majority of Red Dead Redemption One, like especially post as you're entering Mexico anyway, and RDR One anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked the doing the mundane farm tasks. Uh, <laughs> it was almost like a farming sim game at the end of you know post credits Red Dead Redemption mm. Two, and I I liked that it was Zen, um, and I was like, man, this could be a separate game, and I'd play it. <laughs> you know, uh, another separate game I would play out of that. Red Dead Redemption 3, Sadie is the main character. Oh, Sadie. What a wonderful character. I would happily play Red Dead Redemption 3 if they had Sadie as the main character. Such I a agree. great character. Rockstar. Make it happen. Make make it happen after GTA 6. <laughs> yeah. Make it happen Maybe after GTA 6. Maybe even a DLC 6. play as Sadie. I would love it. Have you played um Red Dead Online yet? I tried it when it first came out. Uh, but I didn't really, it wasn't really my jam. Um, I played it a little bit. I didn't really enjoy it that much, so I didn't pick it up again, but I heard it's actually quite fun now. I've heard that too, but like yeah. at the same time, like I'm more of a modern player in that I, I like modern settings in games. Like very few times mm-hmm. I will play, you know, sort of past settings. So in this case, like GTA online is perfect for me. Like, cause I, I, I like playing GTA Online every now and then, but Red Dead Online, I don't know if that would fit for me. But like mm-hmm. Red Dead Redemption Two single player, like it feels very fit for me anyway. Yeah. In terms great. of what I want from it, so yeah, for sure. Um, excuse me, I've burped so many times tonight. It's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so I beg your pardon for the amount of times I've done that. Um. Top three games ever. How would you rank them? Obviously, Mass Effect 2 at the top. Oof. But what would be second and third? That's so hard. 
I mean, I I never thought this would be something I would say, but I think I have to say Apex Legends is up there just because of the amount of time that I play it. It's absurd. <laughs> like, I watch streams of it. I play it. Um, Apex Legends and probably Journey or Dragon Age because I've those are the pl- games I've played the most and replayed the most. Probably mm. Dragon Age. Inquisition, mm. specifically. Mm. What, what, mm. what would give Dragon Age the edge? That was an unte- unintentional word well, there. So, I, I, Journey would be up there just because it's kind of the game that um, made me realize I want to work in games. Mm. Uh, but Dragon Age Inquisition is a game I've played so many times, and I'll always go back to it. Like, I'll replay it now, just because it's a fun game for me to play. Um, and I just really like the stories and the characters, and I, I feel like it's a theme. I really like RPGs where you're decision-based, and mm. I really like the story, too. Mm. Um, and this is just out of sheer curiosity for my sake. Um, top three Bioware games. I would guess Mass Effect 2 and Dragon Age Inquisition in 1 and 2, but what would be third? Uh, I don't know. I literally have to look up a list of their games. We did not put uh, Mass Effect 1 or Mass Effect 3 in there. Mm, I mean, if I had to choose, it'd be Mass Effect 3. Oh! Mm. Wait, did they do Baldur's Gate? They did. Okay, Baldur's Gate, for sure. Dark Alliance, ah. I believe, the second one. Okay. Uh, I played that game so many times. I, I still, like, I, I have Diablo 3, which I play all the time, but there's just no... There's nothing. I didn't play the new Baldur's Gate um, mm. yet, but Baldur's Gate 2, Dark Alliance. Oh, I, I played that game so much. With my friend, too, when I lived in Germany. Because she wasn't a gamer, and it was a, it was a game that you could easily play with someone else who doesn't specifically know how to play games and we replay that so many times so yeah it'd be mass effect 2 dragon age inquisition and Baldur's gate dark alliance hmm what about you uh mass effect 2 uh mass effect 2 probably just separate trilogy because like i don't get on with the dragon age games Mm. like dragon age origins i didn't get on with dragon age 2 was probably the one I most played. Actually, no, Inquisition was the one I most played, but I couldn't finish it. And the reason for that is the spiders in that game, or the spider-like oh, creatures in that game. There are a lot of spiders. Yeah, couldn't mm-hmm. play it. Couldn't play it after that. I was just, I literally nope the fuck out of that game. So probably, probably just probably for me the entire Shepard trilogy, with maybe, maybe an honorable mention to Star Wars: The Old Republic, because like I remember playing that. Like, admittedly, it's been years since I've um since I've played it but like I remember just playing that initially and thinking yeah this isn't too bad for an MMO like I remember like it was getting a lot of slack at the time but I remember just thinking yeah this isn't too bad and now it's you know one of the best MMOs out there probably in the top five with the likes of WoW and FF14 Tez mm-hmm. Tezo even like it's 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 generally a fun fun game and mm-hmm. even adds even now, it's been a few years since I've played it, but it's a really good game.
Um, well, uh, you should follow AI on Twitter. Um, we will talk about all our upcoming releases and we're very vocal over there. So that's probably where you should go. We also have the AI discord where we have a lot of people talking about our games and fan theories and stuff like that. It's a really fun place to be. Um, I am Kingsman gadget on Twitter. Uh, and I mostly retweet AI stuff all the time. So that's where you can find me. That's where you can find AI and just keep an eye out for, um, new news about upcoming releases that we have in store. Thanks for listening to My Favourite Game, a podcast by Play Diaries where people in the games industry come on to talk of their favourite game. If you want to listen to future episodes of My Favourite Game or press play before they go live publicly, please consider subscribing to our $2 tier on Patreon at patreon.com slash playdiaries. Next week, Fernando Rizzo on XCOM 1994 and somewhat XCOM 2012. Until next week, bye-bye.